It's time for the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, sponsored by Texas Mutual. Welcome. My name is Ed Latson, and this is the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, sponsored by Texas Mutual. Today, our guest is Mark Pollard, Chief Operating Officer for Astute Electronics, a company that's on the forefront of the semiconductor shortage. And uh, while we're definitely going to talk about semiconductors today, I wanted to start by announcing that Mark is also the captain of two former championship ARMA golf tournament teams. And uh, Mark, maybe that's a great place to start. You know, tell us, what does it take to be a winner? Bringing in the ringers uh, and having a lot of fun. I uh, apologize. I should have thought of this. I need my trophies on the trophy case, but we're so proud of them that we actually display them at our our main uh, entry uh, into the building. So... Well, you know, what I've actually heard is that you're the ringer on the team, Mark. I know you talk about bringing them in, but I hear you're the guy. No, it's a, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. It's always it's always the least expected person who sinks the putt that changes the momentum. And then, uh, uh, you know, then we're off to the races. Uh, it's been a good run. And um, speaking of good run, you've had a good run at Astute. I mean, you've been COO now for three years, um, you know, I know early on in your tenure, you moved the headquarters, U.S. headquarters from Virginia to Austin. Um, talk about that experience and where you are now in your business. Yeah, we, we made a, a strategic decision early on. Um, I came on, um, obviously, being the only person in Austin at the time I joined. Our whole team was in Virginia, uh, evaluating that team and putting together kind of our five-year plan. Uh, it was pretty clear to me that for us to uh, scale, uh, acquire the talent, be near our business partners and, and just some geographical advantages that uh, it made a lot of sense for us to, to move that business that had set up shop uh, in 2007 in Virginia and done a really good job um, for, for many, many years. Um, but I came on to, to, to take the company to uh, a different level and, and do things uh, differently and, and uh, uh, the move has been, you know, proven to be uh, advantageous uh, for us. So, Mark, you know, Astute's a pretty unique business. Um, why don't you tell us about what you guys do? Uh, yeah, we, we are a unique business. And in most markets, um, we kind of fly under the radar a little bit. But Astute supports um, its customers in three main areas. Uh, supply chain services. We support them on shortages, which is obviously very relevant right now, leveraging our, our global sourcing teams. Uh, we support them on obsolescence components they can't get through normal distribution channels uh, or direct with the manufacturer. Uh, and then also cost savings where we, we support them on reducing their, um, their standard uh, purchasing price. Uh, secondly, uh, franchise distribution um, services uh, where we represent a few dozen uh, manufacturers from the design level all the way through fulfillment. Um, and third, um, inventory solutions, uh, where we support customers on, on last time buys, uh, inventory storage, uh, vendor management, uh, vendor consolidation. Uh, and then on the back end of that is asset recovery, where we take uh, surplus or excess and, and try to um, uh, recover cash uh, from, from their excess inventory. Yeah, you know, we have a ton of electronic manufacturers in Austin area. Um, they're all really looking for parts. The shortage is causing a lot of problems. Um, how is what's happening in the supply chain semiconductor business impacted Astute? It's impacted us significantly. Uh, we had you know, customers that weren't uh, really operating or they had orders canceled last year during the COVID, um, you know, during the pandemic, which is still not over, but uh, manufacturing and the economy has largely come back online. 
Um, how it's affected us is we've seen um, a 4X increase in our business um, in the last four months uh, or so. We started to see it late last year. We saw signs we had, um, we had um, a backlog business that was starting to be pulled in and we were noticing lead times were starting to go out. It was interesting. And then there were some price increase announcements there at the, uh, at the end of the year, but things really uh, started to take off. Ironically, pretty much right after the winter apocalypse, we, we, we thought, you know, between the pandemic, you know, the, the, the winter storm, it's like, man, we had an ERP glitch where our system was down for a few days, right around that time. We're like, this can't get any worse um, for our business. And then uh, really it was like, just sort of uh, uh, accelerant on fire um, customers across um, the board from high reliability mill arrow to energy and industrial to consumer um, just came out of the woodwork. Are you seeing an increase in, in counterfeits now that there's such a shortage? We are not. We, we know the channels. Astute's been in business 32 years. That's a, a big part of our value add beyond what we do in our labs, x-ray analysis. Uh, we, 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 what's called decapsulate or D-lid parts, uh, semiconductors where we verify the dye inside, which is highly proprietary and can't be uh, easily uh, replicated or duplicated. Um, we're not seeing it um, just yet because we know the channels to avoid. We have procurement teams all throughout Asia, Europe, and North America uh, to protect us from that. However, highly expect um, and anticipate more and more counterfeits, clones, um, you know, refurbished parts to continue hitting the market. Um, you know, bad actors, you know, where there's you know, massive demand and limited supply are gonna are gonna make a quick buck like they would in any industry. So I fully expect uh, to start seeing, um, you know, possibly some refurbished parts. The counterfeiters, cloners uh, are, are getting very sophisticated. Every few years, they kind of keep up. But luckily they're, they're behind the curve, but they, they're, they're more and more sophisticated these days. But um, you also have inexperienced buyers at, at massive companies. You've got engineers who say, oh, my procurement team can't find this part. Let me go Google it and I'll go find it. And I, I can't tell you how um, dangerous that is for someone that doesn't have an established supply chain, know the markets or have a partner that can sort of guide them through there to go and just source a highly allocated um, uh, semiconductor uh, or any type of electronic component out there just on, on the open web. So we haven't seen it, Ed. Um, I, I do have concerns. Our customers rely on us to go into markets we may not want to, and we sort of take that risk with them. They know we've got the back end to catch that with all the inspection and the testing that we do. Um, but, uh, you know, we take that risk for them. We communicate up front. Uh, but I, I expect here over the next few months, as inventory continues, there's just too too little inventory out there, um, where the bad actors are going to are, are going to allow product into the market. Distributors or uh, OEMs, procurement teams are going to go buy that product, uh, and it's just going to happen. So, if you had to give a tip to maybe uh, a buyer at a small company, you know, looking uh, for supply but but uncertain, what would that tip be? Well, I got, you know, I can't blame someone for trying to solve a problem. And if they haven't had the problem before, and even, even buyers at big companies that have never been through this cycle don't quite understand um, what, what that risk is. Um, I, I would give them, uh, obviously, we're, we're happy to help them. Um, they may not know who we are, um, but I would verify 
some basic things about who you're doing business with. Ask, ask for photos of the product, labels in particular. Um, the parts may not be counterfeit. They may be mislabeled or misrepresented in a way. Um, never pay in advance for product, um, really from anyone, unless it's someone you know and, and, and you agree to those terms for one reason or the other, um, because there's a chance you may not get anything at all. There's bad actors out there basically committing, you know, you know, finance, financial fraud saying, hey, I can get you this, wire me the funds and I'll send you these, you know, 20,000 uh, units of this NXP chip. Um, so there's, there, there, there's ways to mitigate it. Photo, you know, photos of the product that you're buying, ask for trade references from your vendors. You know, who are your other customers? Will they say that you're reputable? Um, don't pay in advance. Um, and ideally have someone and, and, and have a robust, um, hopefully operations and quality department that provides the procurement team's best practices and, 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 and stick to that. Um, th th there's a saying in our industry of the, the sweet feel or taste of, of, of low cost is, is quickly forgotten by the cost of poor quality, right? Everyone likes to find a, you know, a savings deal, but even saving, you know, if you save 10% on something and you, and, and you risk poor quality, um, it, it, poor quality can mean millions um, where, uh, you know, a 10% discount on a component that maybe you're spending $5,000 on or even $500 on, if that goes out in the field, your cost, your exposure, your liability is some exponential factor so much higher. So we, you know, again, we, we, we don't purport to be the low cost solution in all cases, particularly in shortage, but what our customers get is, is quality. They get confidence and peace of mind, and they ultimately get the products that they need uh, to continue their production lines. You talked a couple of times about the cycle and in semiconductor industry. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had all these disruptions with COVID and the great freeze. Um, you name it, it's happened this year. Let's take those things out of the equation. Would we still be seeing shortages um, right now if it weren't for those issues? We would. We, I think we, we, we would right now for, for a few reasons. There, there's disruptive technology that's just coming online. Um, uh, electric vehicles is hitting critical mass popularity in, in, in major markets. Um, you, know, you know, 5G is still trying to come online. Um, and so there's been a lot of, a lot of development um, uh, pulling demand and that's, that's high volume uh, demand from the Huawei's and the Ericsson's um, and the Nokia's of the world. You factor that also with you know, mergers and acquisitions in, in the semiconductor world, these, these big players have been um, uh, acquiring the smaller ones year after year for the last, you know, 15, 20 years now. So whereas before these manufacturers had three or four different options, um, they have one now. I mean, you have, you have Intel has acquired Altera, you have, uh, you have what was once, once expansion, um, uh, AMD expansion to Cypress now Infineon. So Infineon's kind of that big fish. You see it with analog devices acquiring Linear Tech and Maxim. Most customers used to have Linear Tech, Maxim, um, TI, analog devices, four to five sometimes options. So it's it's almost like having more options at the grocery store. You go buy something, you know, if, if, if one's out of stock or, or, or doesn't look as good uh, that day, you know, you, you, you've got other options here. This is, this is a matter in some cases of only having one option. So, so that's sort of a, a third factor in that uh, as well. So disruptive technology that, that would have led to shortages anyway, uh, pandemic driven uh, circumstances. And it's just this M&A, just sort of this natural progression of the semiconductor market where, where the bigger players are, are eating up the, the, the smaller ones. 
Well, I think that consolidation uh, in, in the industry really points to something I wanted to bring up with you. Um, you know, the, there's a couple of dynamics at play, especially in the semiconductor market. You know, you have this global um, trade complex that we experienced the past four years in the prior administration. Um, and then, you know, COVID really exposed the fact that um, we're vulnerable to, you know, foreign suppliers and a variety of products, whether it be PPE or, or semiconductors. We're starting to see the U.S. government respond. Uh, I was really encouraged to see the Senate come up with a bipartisan bill. We have the American um, for Innovation and Competitiveness Act. It sets aside $200 billion for advanced technologies and manufacturing, 50 billion of which would go to semiconductors. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess what I'm curious about and hear your take is, you know, is this a response to um, us shoring up strategic needs in this country? Or is this more of an escalation in a trade war with, say, China? It's both. It's absolutely both. The United States in recent history, when, when we have a when we have a, a singular foe, things happen. And, and China is is clearly that foe for us, even though they're a, a great trade partner and, and have kind of beaten us at our own game um, in, in, in some instances. And, and maybe not played fair in other instances, but um, it's very much both. I, I think a unified foe gets our federal government to act quickly, which we saw with the, with the bipartisan support. Um, and we are, we are at risk, um, you know, where we are producing somewhere along, you know, 12% of uh, the world's semiconductors, even though, you know, some estimates, you know, have us, you know, 50% of the world's demand. That's, that's quite a bit out of balance. Um, so, you know, I don't think the United States ever wants to be in a position where they're dependent on any foreign entity, much less one that we view as a foe for a variety of reasons. I think when you start discussing um, um, applications like national security, uh, the networks that, that our federal government works on, satellites that, that, that provide surveillance to our military, um, advantages we want to have in advanced weaponry, um, war fighting uh, equipment, those types of things. You suddenly suddenly realize, wow, we are really at risk, and we don't have several layers of the supply chain upstream from the rare earth to the silicon uh, at the foundries to the semiconductor production um, right now. So I would say that you know again, it's it's very much both. It's helpful for us politically to say, hey, there's a foe, and so we're going to act. American people get behind that. Politicians obviously get behind that. They're all trying to get reelected, but there's there's a real there's a real concern and a real risk, and, and I, I'm I'm really encouraged that uh, that the government's acting so so swiftly. Yeah, I'm I'm encouraged as well, and I think there's a dynamic at play that a lot of people don't understand with offshoring. You know, um, there was a big push, obviously, in the '90s. Uh, we let a lot of the lower tech manufacturing go abroad, and um, we anticipated that the engineering and the innovation would stay here. But as the manufacturing skills have improved overseas, what you see is that the innovation and the product know-how is really um, overseas as well. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're seeding whole industries. Um, so I think this investment is, is really critical to the success of our country. I agree. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Um, how do you think it's gonna impact Austin? I think Austin's been an attractive place since really since the the late '90s when a lot of the the California tech companies uh, came out here to have a, a second campus or, or relocate, which we're still seeing uh, now to this day. I think Texas being business friendly, I think the the great universities that we have around here, um, the space that we have uh, to grow 
uh, is going to attract um, hopefully large companies expanding, uh, large companies that aren't here yet come in, uh, medium-sized companies having the ability to, to grow and, 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 and hopefully uh, identify um, some incredible technology that they can really scale up and, and grow and take to market. And, and, and the small guys, um, you, know, um, you know, having the resources to go and, and really do what we, we did well um, for, for many, many years um, in the 80s and 90s and really being leaders um, globally. Um, in, in, in research, uh, development, and innovation for, for semiconductors. So I think Austin's in a great, is in a great place um, to, to benefit. Um, and, and I hope that with the dollars, the job market that's already, you know, strained, we, that, that may alleviate some of the pressures as far as, um, you know, paying, paying market value for these trained engineers um, and getting the brightest young minds and, 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 you know, of any age um, in the lab working on these working on these challenges. And we come out of it four, six, 10 years later and and we're, we're back in a position. Maybe we're not producing 40 percent, but we're back up to 20 or 25 percent. And and that might be a comfortable number where we're self-sufficient. Uh, we've got allies doing what we're doing and, and we've got enough where the threat, uh, at least the China threat, is, isn't so overwhelming. Well, Mark, I think that kind of brings us full circle. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that you moved um, Astute Electronics here to Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's so much opportunity here. It's going to be fun to watch you guys grow. It's going to be fun to see what happens, uh, you know, in this country with this semiconductor opportunity. And um, certainly Arma is going to do what we can to, to uh, move the ball down the field. And in the meantime, um, let's keep the conversation going. So uh, I thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. It's great speaking with you. And and I I love talking about uh, this topic. This is the Manufacturing Austin podcast sponsored by Texas Mutual. 